Ever wondered who and what is shaping Luxembourg? This is your Lux Unplugged podcast with your hosts, Adrian and Thierry. Hi, I'm Thierry. And I'm Adrian. Welcome back to the Lux Unplugged podcast. On this occasion, we're welcoming our first guest from the startup scene, Alex Lawrence. Alex is a managing director at Crossland, a fintech startup. As it happened, we recorded this episode in London, as Alex just returned from the United States. Yeah, I mean, as many of you know, London is well known for housing a lot of famous startup names. But here, we wanted to talk about Crossland's mission and the reason why it set up shop in Luxembourg. Crossland has been in Luxembourg for a couple of years now, and Alex will tell us more about its role in the fintech space. But now, without further ado, our conversation with Alex Lawrence, Managing Director of Crossland in Luxembourg. Thanks for joining us here on Luxembourg Podcast. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Before we um, talk about all the exciting things that you're doing at uh, Crossland, why don't we just talk about your background? Tell us a bit more what we've been doing so far. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So um, I think you can probably tell from my accent that I'm British originally. Uh, um, I am uh, 32 years old. Um, been in Luxembourg for the last two years. Um, have rather an interesting background, or let's say a slightly less uncon- slightly more unconventional background than uh, than a lot of other people in finance and in the fintech uh, world. I read ancient history, ancient history and politics uh, at the University of Exeter back in 2005. Um, I originally was going to join the army, the British army. So I spent three years in the reserves, um, which was definitely an experience. Did a lot of skiing, skydiving, scuba diving, uh, and also some sort of regular army stuff. I um, I set up a ski a ski rental shop in the Alps in 2008, uh, yep, 2008 2009, um, which was a really fantastic experience. Yeah, after I, I decided not to join the army uh, full time. Uh, so I sort of asked around a bit at university and asked what, uh, what, what were all the kids, the cool kids doing these days. And uh, I heard about investment banking. Uh, so I didn't know what that was. And I spent a lot of time on Google. I don't know if we had Google back then. Yahoo, maybe? Yeah, maybe Yahoo or AltaVista could have been. <laughs> and, uh, and I applied to 30 uh, investment banks, uh, f- uh, from, from which I got one uh, job interview. <laughs> and the rest is history. <laughs> so I spent a couple of years at Royal Bank of Scotland when it was briefly the biggest bank in the world. Um, I uh, then moved to JP Morgan in Geneva in Switzerland. Uh, stayed there for five years. Uh, moved on to, to read an MBA at INSEAD in Paris and in Singapore. Um, and then after that, I, uh, I came across Crossland. And that would have been about uh, two and a half years ago now. So today you're heading up the Luxembourg branch of Crossland, a financial technology uh, firm, yep. startup. Is it yep. still a startup, technically? Well, that's a good question. We've been going since 2014. Uh, I guess it depends who you're talking to. <laughs> if we're recruiting, sometimes we're a startup, sometimes we're, you know, fully-fledged company. But it, it is true that, you know, after so many years at it, you've you got to sort of work out where do you draw the line. When we have beautiful offices in Berlin, you could half say they're for a startup and half for a you know, more traditional institutions. So it's tough to know where we draw the line. But I mean, I'm still wearing sneakers to work most days, so. 
five years. So, yeah. <laughs> so, so definitely more than a startup uh, yeah. feel. <laughs> but in, um, in, in, in simple terms, so how would you describe the business that you're involved in? Very, so imagine you're just talking to, to people that, that, are very, that are not in the finance um, yeah. sector. Yeah, I mean, if you take a, a bit of a step back, you know, you say to people, oh, I'm in fintech. And they say, sorry, what? And you say, well, you know, if you take the two words, finance and technology, financial technology, let's say, and put them together, or abbreviate them both, that's, you know, that's fintech. So that's sort of taking a, taking a step back. It's sort of technology that benefits or, or, or leverages on the, the financial system. Uh, what do we do? Uh, you know, I like to try and we like to frame it a little bit differently. Um, you know, what is the problem out there? The problem that we're trying to solve or one, you know, one of the problems is 50% uh, of EU workers uh, work for SME, so a small and medium sized enterprise. Uh, and that's roughly double the figure of the states. So in the states, um, it's around 27% of, of, of workers work for an SME. Now, in the EU or in Europe, um, it's, you know, the obvious way for a SME to get financing would be to go to the bank. So a traditional, or let's say a, a good example would be, you know, you own a bakery. It's a really great bakery. You do the best baked goods in the area. Um, you know, you probably should expand to a second site. Okay, but you've got to buy another oven. Another oven and, you know, the setup fees, you've got to you know, pay the rent on a new place. You know, there's all these expenses. So how do you fund that? Well, traditionally in Europe, is, I mean, the thing is pretty obvious to us three. You go to a bank, right? You get a bank loan. Yeah. That's not quite the, the same in the States. In the States, they have a lot more um, access to capital markets. There's other options. And, of course, the banks haven't really lent in, uh, in Europe since the crisis. Um, so you have this, this, this big gap between, you know, what most or the majority of workers are doing in Europe and um, a gap between, you know, those, those businesses, how they can be financed properly. So you think how many dreams are not, you know, not fulfilled and how many jobs are not created. It's, it's kind of a lot. And so, you know, what is the problem here? The problem is not necessarily that there's not enough capital in the system because there is. Um, the problem is really making sure the capital finds each other. So what, what does that mean? That means, you know, a, an investor like a pensions provider or a insurance company in the UK might, might love to, to fund um, Dutch small business loans, for example. But, uh, you know, there's the channel, English channel in the way. <laughs> this is a slightly different jurisdiction with 28 jurisdictions in Europe. And so the money kind of never meets. Um, and that's what we're trying to, trying to solve. We're trying to solve the, um, that sort of funding gap. So we've built a, a digital marketplace for debt, uh, and we have a mission to make the world's uh, lending and investment ecosystem more efficient, transparent, and flexible. So basically just making sure that loan originators across Europe are meeting the, the right investors. How do you see yourself growing in this kind of environment? Because given that the banks are constrained, especially since the, the crisis, as we've known it. Yeah, so the business was founded five years ago now by my boss, uh, Oliver. Uh, at the time, it was a very different business. At the time, in the beginning, it was um, a B2C company. So we dealt with consumers across Europe. The business was peer-to-peer -peer lending, um, which I think you're both familiar with. Mm -hmm. uh, with the USP, or the unique selling point in this uh, setup, was that through our platform, you could borrow and lend money internationally, or at least within Europe. And the idea would be, for example, you know, someone in Germany lending 3,000 euros to someone in Spain. And why? Well, ideally, the borrower in Spain would uh, benefit from a lower interest rate and probably the, um, the lender in um, uh, Germany would, uh, would benefit from a higher interest rate. So there's a bit of an interest rate arbitrage here, which should be good for both sides. So that, that, that was the original um, 
business model. We pivoted away from that about three years ago now. Now we purely deal with institutional money. So it's B2B only. So big companies. Yeah, more banks. So more we work with sort of banks. So on one side, it's uh, loan originators. So what does that mean? That could be anyone who's giving a loan. Anyone from, you know, the, the bank on the high street that you, that you know you we see when we step out of this office to a non-bank lender. Um, that could be, for example, a car finance company. So they're not a bank, but they give car finance. Um, and then, and then you know, the third kind of originator could be like a um, online marketplace or a peer-to-peer lender, of which are tons in the in the in the in the UK. So that's on one side that they're, they're the originators making the loan, and on the other side, there's investors who would love to fund these loans, but they you know the money kind of never meets. Again, only institutional financing, only institutional money, and so we sort of sit in the middle and make sure that both. When we build a marketplace, we make sure that both both sides meet. Um, and there's a little bit more to it than that, you know. There's um, or there's a lot more to it than that. The way we can connect these two parties, we use, you know, securitization. Securitization is the process of taking an, usually an, an illiquid asset, putting it into a special purpose vehicle. So it's a, a company that uh, only will hold this asset um, and then issuing securities on the other side uh, for investors to buy. Actually, my boss, Oliver, has a great example uh, of, you know, something that's easy to understand would be the furniture in this room. Let's imagine that, you know, you don't want to move the furniture out of this room, but, you know, you rent these chairs for, I don't know, $10 an hour, 10, 10 pounds an hour or something. Um, and you have an investor somewhere else who would love to buy these chairs, would love that cash flow from these chairs. Okay, well, this, you set up a company, the company buys the chairs, the chairs sit in this company, and out of the, out of the back end, you issue a, a note or, a, or even a share, uh, depending. And then that investor can buy portion of the cash flows from, from that furniture. You're just sort of switching cash flows. You're taking the cash flows that come from the furniture and you sort of then, they then belong to, to the investors. So when you said um, at the beginning, or let's say three years ago, you switched from B2C to bigger corporates, how, how was the switch in terms of changing the business model? Can you explain a little bit what difficulties you had yeah. um, doing that? Yeah, absolutely. So I think a lot of, um, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of the buzzword these days to sort of fail fast and, you know, fail early. And that, you know, the, 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 there's a lot more of a failing culture in, let's say, the States than there is in Europe. It's as much, it's much, um, there's nothing wrong with failing, um, you know, because it encourages innovation and, you know, iterative processes, etc. So, you know, we pivoted, which is, you know, one way to put it, <laughs> from an old business model to a new business model. Um, I think anyone going from B to C to B to B, so business to consumer to business to business, that's a whole different, a whole different ball game, a whole different. Um, I mean, marketing for a start is completely different. Instead of you know, instead of trying trying to get in through everyone's door boxes or um, letterboxes or onto their phones or you know direct marketing, it's 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 completely different. You have to target a completely different segment. So yeah, I'm not sure it was easy. We kept a lot of the existing structure that we'd already set up. So we have a, and we can go onto it. We have a, a, a regulated securitization vehicle in Luxembourg, and very very few of them are regulated. So it's great news for us. And what are the benefits of being regulated? Yeah, there's a number really. One is uh, is definitely credibility. Uh, you know, so we so our structure uh, is is overseen by the by the CSSF. So that's the the financial regulator in Luxembourg. There's definitely credibility. It goes from you know, oh Crossland, that's cool. What are you? Are you you know a couple of guys in a in a in a in a we work with a couple of laptops? <laughs> no, we're a serious institution, um, uh, and you know that's one way to sort of de to, to start to at least signal that you're a credible institution. Uh, but we have a very um, healthy relationship with our regulator. I'd call them uh, firm but fair. They are very very uh, open to innovation, as as a lot of uh, a lot of Luxembourg is indeed. Another thing we can come on to. But, you know, it's great that we can bounce ideas off them. 
they set us you know a minimum a minimum sort of standards for due diligence that we have to perform to to all of our counterparties so it kind of keeps us honest and just sort of being plugged into that to that you know to, let's say traditional financial infrastructure is just fantastic for us for somebody who doesn't work in this field it's almost like you have an approved supplier's label right. that you can go to your potential customer yep. and says these guys they approve our work and we not like you said three guys on a on a laptop in a we work right. and uh, <laughs> handing out credit cards and absolutely <laughs> yeah. no 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 okay. you, no it's a great point it's a great way to put it i'll write the one down actually because it's a great way to put it no it is sort of like almost like being on you know on a certified yeah okay um, providers list which is which is great now given that you you've changed the business model um, as you, as you've described earlier to what extent are you bringing innovation how how would you leverage technology yeah to to get to the next stage of of development Yeah, good question. So tech is really at the the, the forefront of everything that we do. Uh, it's very very easy in this uh, in in this modern world. To, you know, anyone can call themselves a fintech. Often you find them they have a lot more fin, or sometimes they have a lot more tech. <laughs> But you know, in our case, it's 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 pretty much fifty fifty. You know, it's uh, you know we're off, we're we're shaking up a traditional traditional industry. You know, we're a very serious player. Let's say on the fin side, and then on the tech side. Yeah, to the, it's at the heart of, of 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 innovation and sort of everything we do. So, you know, there's a global expansion. We we we're trying to expand right now to to the US. We we've started US operations led by uh, former CEO of a fintech company in 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 the in the US, who you've definitely heard of, to to serve increasing demand for transatlantic loan investment opportunities. So let's uh, talk a little bit about Luxembourg. Why did you choose Luxembourg, and uh, how has this ecosystem benefited the company so far? Um, and maybe say how long you've been in in Luxembourg already. Yeah. So I uh, I have to say I didn't know much about Luxembourg before I moved there. You know, I've lived in Paris and in Geneva, so at least in Francophone countries that that are kind of nearby. I've lived in Berlin. I'd sort of been to Luxembourg once before I moved there. Uh, um, was that on a stopover? Yeah, I st yeah. When I'm moving from Paris to Berlin, I stopped over one night in 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 Luxembourg. Then the next day, found out I was moving to Luxembourg. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, so we were originally invited in 2017, early 2017, by the Luxembourg Future Fund. So it's a it's a 150 million euro um, fund, which aims to stimulate the diversification and sustainable development of the Luxembourgish economy. I think 120 comes from the SNCI, which is Société Nationale de Crédit d'Investissement. So that's the first 120. Then the other 30 comes from the EIF, which is obviously the um, European Investment Fund owned uh, by the European Investment Bank, which at the end of the day is the European Union. Um, and so it invests and co-invests in you know, sort of early and, and, and growth stage innovative uh, European technology SMEs. In um, Luxembourg specifically. Well, yes, yes, specific in Luxembourg, indeed, yes, and they have to have, you know, they they don't need to be uh, sort of Luxembourgish people taking the money or Luxembourgish companies originally, uh, but there most definitely has to be spillover effects into the into the Luxembourgish economy. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we we had we've had since oof, 2014 or 15 our securitization vehicle in Luxembourg. The the one we mentioned earlier was was supervised by the by the regulator. So we've always had a company in Luxembourg, but when we were introduced to the LFF, you know, they said, yes, we, we, we like what you're doing because, you know, you're trying to kickstart SME lending in the in the EU. Um, and, you know, I'm not sure you could say that our mission is exactly, well, we're obviously not a charity, but there's something noble about, you know, uh, quasi-noble, or there's something good about, you know, trying to get 
more funding to, to, to SMEs, you know, create more jobs in Europe and, and all this kind of good stuff, which is, uh, you know, the European Commission put out a, a, a green paper, a white paper on exactly this, on a capital markets union. And the only thing I've seen actually in terms of, you know, real uh, work on this that, that I've seen is, is, is Crosslands business model. So we're really here to try and build a capital markets union that works for everybody, in, you know, across the EU. Um, you know, so they offered us uh, an investment. They, so they're, you know, a shareholder in our company. Uh, and as part of that investment, they asked us, you know, we were headquartered in Berlin. And they said, you need to create some spillover effects to the local local economy, which totally makes sense. So I came over, set up, set up the company in, uh, in Luxembourg. We are eight or nine people now. We have a beautiful office overlooking the Petrus Valley which uh, for those of you not from Luxembourg, I guess, is a, is, a, is, a, is a valley and a forest and a river in the center of town, which is, so I guess it's like working in Hyde Park or something like that. Yeah, very unique to Luxembourg. Very unique to Luxembourg, yeah, yeah. but that's great. Yeah. So, you know, so, so, we, so we, you know, we've been here for, or in Luxembourg for two and a half years, uh, really part of the local, um, the local ecosystem. So the second part of your question was, how has the ecosystem benefited the company? Well, you know, I have to, you know, I told you I hadn't, I hadn't, you know, been to Luxembourg once before, so I suppose I didn't know what to expect. Uh, but I can say we're sort of, you know, huge cheerleaders for the Luxembourgish economy um, and the Luxembourgish ecosystem after, you know, after two and a half years in the country. You know, it's benefited us on a number of levels. I guess one is just geographically. Geographically, it's closer to Paris, Brussels, London than, let's say, our original headquarters in Berlin is. So that's just, you know, very much on a base level. It's just it's just a great place to springboard to, you know, some of the larger economies in in Europe, which is great considering we cover, you know, a number of countries. We've been very warmly welcomed by sort of the fintech community. So we're a member both of the Loft, which is the Luxembourg House of Financial Technology, which I believe, again, is a public-private partnership to stimulate uh, fintech or financial technology in Luxembourg. Um, so remember both of that ecosystem, which they've been hugely helpful uh, which is great, and also of uh, BGL, um, which is the local entity of BNP Prepa. They are, so I think it's Banque Generale de Luxembourg mm-hmm. originally, and we sit, our offices sit in their incubator, which is called the Luxembourg Future Lab. So, but we remember both these ecosystems, which is which has just been great in terms of being introduced to the um, the local financial system as well as the, you know, the startup scene. So, so that's been great. Uh, we know we receive a lot of support um, from the from the ecosystem in general. So, you know, the Minister of Finance has stopped by an, on a number of occasions to our offices. Um, you know, I think we can count him as one of our one of our supporters, which is which is which is really great. Um, because you know, the sort of the home of the EU, I suppose, is um, Brussels and Luxembourg. There's a lot of Luxembourgish or a lot of European institutions in Luxembourg. So it doesn't surprise me that they would want to support a, you know, a sort of a, a company which is working towards a capital markets union. That doesn't surprise me that they would find that interesting, but they have. We've received a lot of support from the Ministry of uh, the Economy uh, and even from the Prime Minister. So we, um, yeah, I'd say we're pretty well supported where we are. Uh, I have a great team that work for me. It's a little bit like the United Nations. So someone from Ecuador, Greece. We had someone from Mexico, uh, UK, Singapore, Two people from Luxembourg. Uh, we had someone from Italy, so um, someone from Portugal. So that's uh, that's pretty cool. You don't see that everywhere. So um, you know, so we've been supported in terms of hiring as well. So that's great. 
I know over the next uh, couple of years, you plan to grow the company in, in Luxembourg. I mean, hiring more people. Um, can you share a little bit of your plans there? Uh, yes. So we started with three people here. Now we're eight or nine. Um, we've moved our data center to, to Luxembourg, which is great. So it means that uh, a lot of the analytical work is done in Luxembourg. So I hired a, um, a British guy, Tristan, from a uh, traditional credit fund in London, uh, which is great. He's moved to Luxembourg. He's sort of one of the success stories of, <laughs> of the, the hashtag move to Luxembourg campaign. Um, yeah, so he, you know, he, he runs a data center here. So that's, you know, that's, that's very, very highly skilled, uh, highly skilled work. Um, which is great that we've moved to Luxembourg. You know, that's that's that's, that's a win. Um, yeah, we'll continue to. We know we're sort of outgrowing offices now. So, question is, do we do we hire something within the same building? Do we move somewhere else? Um, but I think the idea is to is to is to is to is to, is to keep on building. You know, you've got to remember also it's pretty close to Frankfurt. So just geographically speaking, it's a great uh, it's a great hub. Well, Alex, uh, you just mentioned uh, hashtag move to Lux as an expat. What do you like? The most about Luxembourg. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, I mean, that's, I'm glad you brought that up. That's a great campaign that they ran. Uh, hashtag move to Lux. Uh, you know, that's all around. Uh, you know, so we sat we sat in South Wimbledon today. Uh, took whatever it takes. You know, an hour and a half on the tube to get here, uh, which is, I think is, or I think you know I think between 30 minutes and, and, and an hour and a quarter is pretty normal for Londoners, right? In terms of a commute. Uh, and that's sort of <laughs> yeah. You don't, you don't have that in Luxembourg, right? I don't have that in Luxembourg, and. Um, I think the whole the whole idea of this move to Lux campaign is, is obviously to get more highly skilled workers to move to Luxembourg, um, and you know, and they want to sort of pre present the best elements of the country. Um, and I think the idea is that you can sort of almost have it all in Luxembourg. You know, you can have a you know a beautiful family life, uh, very 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 outdoorsy in the nature, and then have you know a good job in um, town. Um, and so this 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 promotion was you know I was wakeboarding on the Moselle, which is which is a river that cuts through. Uh, Germany and Luxembourg with sort of vineyards on both sides uh, wakeboarding down there not quite sure which sort of country you were you were in because the line the the border is you know in the middle of the river there was someone doing the, the rallying uh, someone who's you know really into wine food etc mountain biking all these different things so you know the whole campaign was you know what does Luxembourg have to offer um, for me it's been great I've got a I've got a dog uh, Henry he's a golden retriever from Kentucky uh, yeah, places. <laughs> he's uh, he's great. Uh, you know, I bring him to the office. Uh, I go. I live in the forest, uh, and it takes me sort of twenty minutes to walk to the to walk to work. So you know, I walk in before work, which is really really cool. You definitely don't have that in London, uh, or not when I that I saw in London when I you know when I lived here. There's a lot to say about Luxembourg in terms of personal life. There's the, there's the great outdoors, like I said. There's you know forest basically everywhere. There's lakes. Um, you know, you have uh, Paris, there's a, you know, TGV to Paris, and I think it's two hours, which is not much, two hours 16, I think it was last time I checked, which is, which is not much. You can hop in the car and be in Brussels in an hour and a half, if you're lucky. Um, Frankfurt's not too far. Uh, places like Cologne in Germany, very, very close. So there's plenty to do on the weekends, etc. Mm -hmm. which I, you know, which I appreciate. You can, I've, I've driven back to London on a number of occasions with the dog. Uh, of course, it's, it's less than an hour's flight without the dog. So, so, you know, there's plenty to do. And, um, yeah, I'm surprised about how much there is to do. And, you know, people say that perhaps they have, they, they, traditionally there's not the most exciting opinion of Luxembourg, uh, but I haven't seen that, uh, you know, at all. Plenty of young people, plenty of bars, restaurants, nightclubs, uh, festivals. And there's plenty going on. You just have to kind of, you know, keep, uh, keep an eye out for it. But I've been hugely surprised, pleasantly surprised about, you know, how much there is to do, which is great. 
All right, then I think uh, that wraps up our conversation today with with you, Alex. I'm sure there'll be more to come the, the further you expand your business in, in the coming months and, and even years. Great to see you guys again, and I uh, hope to see you again soon. Thanks for listening to the Lux Unplugged podcast. Please share this podcast with friends and family and leave us a review on iTunes. Also, please don't forget to visit our website, luxunplugged.com. And see you next time. Thank you.